The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Time Masters, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-host, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Hello, everyone. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 7 which was titled Back to the Finale, Part 2, and aired June 20th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With Ava, Arek, Bayrod, and... Wait. Oh, because it didn't include... Okay, that was strange. Bayrod and the Legends make a last-ditch effort to keep Sarah from being abducted in the first place, even knowing that it will alter the timeline. Sarah grapples with what she has just discovered about herself, but is also shocked when Rory finds her on the mysterious planet. With no time to spare, Sarah, Mick, and Gary devise a plan to help defeat Bishop. Meanwhile, Spooner envisions what her life would be like if she hadn't joined the Legends. I will say that final sentence was really just a moment in the episode. Um, you would have thought that it would be an entire storyline. But it was not. So let's talk about this. Ava is out of commission at the start of the episode. Uh, she's in her room, which I don't think we've ever seen before. I don't think we've ever seen her room on the Wave Rider. And it's basically like a replica of her apartment that we saw... I don't even remember when's the last time we saw it. Last season, maybe? Season before? You know what I'm But, uh, yeah, she's re-watching the proposal over and over again. Um, and, and she's just, she's, she's a wreck. Uh, I, I, yeah. Millie, your thoughts on just seeing Ava? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that surprising. But, um, yeah, what'd you think of Ava at the start of the episode? Did you feel bad? Were you there for her? I felt so bad. I was like the tear face emoji. Um, and it, you just see, because she's been trying so hard to stay positive, and this was just completely just shattered all of it. And it's, I guess, in a way, nice to see her like wallow, like normal people wallow. Um, I think it was really sweet how, you know, the legends are trying to figure out how to support her and, and be there for her. Um, but it was it was sad, and you felt the emotions. Um, Jess McCallum did a great job just making you feel sad right in the opening scene. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. Before we get into uh, the time travel shenanigans that, that we get into in this episode, I want to take a moment and talk about one of the side plots. And that's that Zari ends up figuring out that John does not have his magic. And that John's hope in this sort of time travel adventure is, is that... Um, you know, because they they stop Sarah from being abducted, that means his magic never disappears. So he gets kind of like you know um, he gets a bonus, um, you know, bit of good news if if they are successful in their plan. Um, they Zari kind of is um, let's say annoyed that John lied to her and basically tells her no more lies, and to which John promises. Uh, Professor, what do you think of this? It was a tiny little scene, but it's a follow-up to what we saw in the previous episode. I believe that you said that uh, you, you thought Zari would end up figuring it out sooner rather than later because Zari is a, a brilliant woman, uh, and, and she's very astute in, um, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, um, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, she's, she, you know, she's she uh, she's incredibly meticulous and detail oriented, so that she would she would completely figure it out on her own. What'd you think of this moment for Zari and John? I liked it. You know, I, I'm I'm really enjoying the two of them together. I love the fact that you know uh, it shows that Zari, you know, and again, think about when we first met Zari 2.0, as I will always call her. Um, never remember, never forget the original Zari. Um, uh, you know, she was you know this uh, this you know vapid social media influencer type, um, but there was always you know a, a hidden depth to her, a hidden intelligence, which has been coming more and more to the fore. Uh, and you're really seeing that. You know, uh, I think you know we got a, a wonderful payoff uh, uh you know later in the episode where uh you know john was saying you know even if i don't get my magic i've got you as my girlfriend uh and he actually used the girlfriend word which you know seems a huge jump for uh, for john to make um which i thought was she may have said girlfriend first but um for any either of them to use it uh, i thought was great i do like the fact she figured it out i'm glad that it was sooner uh, rather than later i think they could have maybe stretched it out a little bit there could have been some comic potential to that but i think having her figure it out uh you know means that uh, you know it's it, it's it's not hanging over it uh in quite the same way and uh, and i think that's important you know if we're going to accept that you know these two have a good relationship and and everything we're seeing indicates that we're supposed to you know like these two together and be rooting for them um i think that you have to you know have them working from a basis of trust um so you know to have that realization to have her figure it out rather than him just blurt it out and admit it or be caught out in a lie um i think it was great and the fact that he was caught because he was you know uh you know instead of being his typical john constantine self he was, you know, love is love and love is so wonderful. And that's why you should go out and do this. And, and she's just looking at him realizing there's something off about you, John. I can't quite put my finger on it right now, but oh my God, what is it? Uh, so I really like how that played out. And, and as I said, you know, uh, previously, I'm, I'm glad they didn't stretch this out for a long, long period of time. Absolutely. I do agree with you on that. Um, I, I do agree that there could have been a little bit of comedic storyline potential, but uh, I'm glad that they did it this way because it, it it sort of continues to prove to us that Zari 2.0 is a brilliant woman. She was able to put two and two together, and uh, I, I thought it was a great moment for her in particular. Now let's talk about the plan. So Nate and Zari end up uh, finding that Bayrod is not on the Wave Rider, and they realize that he's gotten into his, uh, what was it, his thinking kush, I guess? And uh, he he had written on this uh 
whiteboard, this plan, back to the finale part two. I hope this does become a tradition where they go back to the previous season's finale. Like, it's just fantastic. Uh, And they get really meta. They explain to Spooner, what is this? You know, it's the finale. You know, what, what do they say? Like, they're all fun. And Nate is like, except for the one where I died. So, the plan is to go back to the finale so that Sarah is never abducted by the aliens. And the legends go and, um, you know, they, they, they go and start plotting at a place where they never visited uh, during that finale. So it looks like it's a restaurant across from the, the club where they go to celebrate with Charlie, etc., 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 and as they're formulating their plot, they realize that, um, you know, if they do this, they would have never met Spooner. Now, this was a line in the press release, but this really was all that it was. Like, Spooner does sort of think about it, you know, like, oh, I wouldn't have joined the Legends. And there is sort of a little bit of um, a storyline that follows Spooner, because... Uh, Later on in the episode, she does end up running into Sarah. It happens right after. Uh, She's told over the comms, like, don't talk to Sarah. But she runs into her, and they do get into a discussion. It's it's a very... um, It's not a detail-oriented discussion. uh, She doesn't give specifics, but she does explain that she... You know, has this these powers, she was abducted, and she's scared of what she's going to become. And basically, Sarah does her Sarahist to uh, reassure her and be like, you know, maybe, you know, these people are here to help you. These people being the legends, she doesn't know that she's saying that. Um, and also, uh, Spooner ends up helping Sarah as well in regards to Sarah proposing because that's that's the story because that's what was supposed to happen that night it was it was interesting because if you think about it this was spooner's first ever scene with sarah period um yeah let's talk about this uh millie your take on spooner's dilemma in this episode the fact that she would have never met the legends she would have never been impacted by the legends and Spooner's talk with Sarah. I enjoy that we went down this route because I feel like at some point every legend has to kind of contemplate both their roles and somehow dealing with how much they mess with time. And so we kind of got to see Spooner's version of that, you know, if they don't do this. And obviously everyone wants Sarah back. And so um, it is a dilemma. And I think that they were able to explore it uh, in an interesting and I think well kind of mature way. And I love the conversation that she had with Sarah and the fact that, like, this is her first interaction. And it just shows you, I think, the type of Leah that Sarah is innately, even though she does, obviously doesn't know Spooner, is part of the team. Um, and they're able to help each other. I think that was really a fun and kind of sweet way for them to first introduce and meet each other. And I'm kind of curious if, if that will carry over um, when they eventually meet each other. Uh, not in like weird t- t- tiny whiny stuff going on, but I thought the and I like how Spooner's able to hold herself with Sarah as well, kind of throw things back in the conversation, and they both can can take something away from it. Yeah, I thought it was a good moment for Spooner. Um, Spooner has become a really interesting character. 
uh, this, uh, you know, throughout the past couple of episodes. Uh, I don't know where we're going with Spooner. Like, I, yeah, like, I have theories, and we sort of discussed some of them in the previous podcast, so we're, we're going to have to wait and see what they do with Spooner. But uh, she's been a very interesting character, and, and I liked her uh, introduction to Sarah. And I liked the line. It was something like, oh, no wonder, you know, you're just so freaking cool. Like, yeah, Sarah's a badass, 100%. Let's talk about some of the time travel shenanigans, because this night is a haze for everybody, you know, because they were all drinking. And uh, they they do end up sort of figuring out, oh, okay, you know, I, I you know I have my midnight smoke break, or uh, you know, Zari and John disappeared to uh, get it in, literally. Uh, yeah, and and so they the present day legends are you know have to go in and they try to convince. Well, initially it's to get Sarah back on the wave rider, then it's to speed up the proposal. Uh, so that, you know, the proposal happens and time changes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Professor, your take on some of the timey-wimey shenanigans. Well, I love the fact that as soon as uh, uh, Zari as and Nate figure out that Bayrod is, is pulling a Back to the Future 2 uh, thing, you know, they show up, you know, sort of in costume, and, you know, the automatic assumption, no, oh, you're here to stop me. No, we're here to help you do it right. And that's, yes. you know, such a legend moment, right? You know, screwing up the future for the better, as they say. Uh, and then to find out, you know, over the course of it, all the little timey-wimey things that they do, everything they do was had to happen to create the actual correct timeline. Uh, you know, which is one of my things that, you know, I love, like, you know, when we get uh, you know, flashbacks, probably my favorite uh, moment in this was when uh, Ava saw John and Zari disappeared on a hallway and then come out and shows she immediately realized what was happening that, Oh my God, the legends are crying back to the future. I've got to stop them. I've got to find them. You know? And so she immediately goes out and confronts them. She knows exactly what they're up to, but you know, am I dead? Don't tell me. Did you not? Oh my God. Just McCallan. As I said before, just, she is so funny and she had so much to do this episode. Uh, so I love that. And, and also the payoffs, you know, like the, the, the payoff that we get with Bayrod later. Um, the fact that the reason why Sarah talked to uh, Bowie when she did uh, was explained. And also the fact that, you know, if you think back to episode one of this season uh, with Ava being so completely trash, why was she so completely trash? Because she was getting blackout drunk to forget the fact that she knew that the legends had come back. And apparently it worked. I just love that scene where she's like grabbing the, uh, the drinks off. And then as she's going across the street, the, Hey, I'm walking here. Um, oh my God, that was great. I, I loved it. It was, it was just, it was so cute and funny. And, uh, and all those little legends things, you know, like the fact that, you know, there was a, a firecracker or a fireworks factory next door. And I thought to myself, well, you don't mention something like that unless it's going to play a, a, a role. And it seems like the whole thing was retrofitted, you know, the, the whole crazy idea with the man, uh, and all of that, uh, you know, in the dumping it just so that they could end not only with fireworks, but with a literal dumpster fire, um, you know, just that genius, you know, they had to think to themselves, okay, how is this episode going to end? What do we want having in that? How can we work to get ourselves to that? Which in a way is kind of like a time travel situation because you're looking at, okay, if we do this in the past, it'll have this impact in the future. And if we do this, it'll have that impact. Uh, and I just sort of loved seeing how, you know, little things that were planted, uh, you know, early on in that first episode, you know, uh, paid off in this episode. So the whole timey wimeyness of it uh, ended up paying off beautifully. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on Ava of the past, realizing that the legends from the future 
are there and being, you know, they're they're trying to do something with the timeline. Uh, what's what's your take on Jess McCallan and uh, her interaction? Oh, um, um, you know, a season finale, Ava interacting with episode seven legends. Oh, I mean, Jess, as the prep said, does such a good job. And of course, Ava would figure it out. She's a smart cookie and I love it. And she went straight in there and, and she kind of busted them in there. And again, all the comedic parts of it, it was well done. And I think um, it just kind of shows how well Ava knows the team and knows when something's off. 100%. It was pure comedic gold. I, yeah, Professor Jess McKellen was just brilliant. Like, the way that she just busted in, the way that she reprimanded them all, the the questions, the shock. Uh, I, I loved the moment where Nate was like, you're confiscating our beers because we went back in time. She's like, nope, because I got to get blackout drunk. That was just spectacular. It was fantastic. A, a brilliant moment in this insane episode. Fantastic. Um, before we head on to the mysterious planet, Nate Pliskin, professor. As a reference to Escape from New York, Snake Pliskin. No, correct. No, but I'm saying, what did you think of him? Oh, totally. I mean, just uh, I mean that explains the eye patch and the the accent and the fact that he was wearing Constantine's coat. And again, it's just a sort of, you know, we didn't get to see everything play out, but just to have him, you know, show up as this sort of time variant. Oh, you guys screwed up the timeline and here's how. Just having him explain that while our Nate is off in the washroom. And again, I mentioned the idea of the Chekhov's uh, fireworks factory, uh, Chekhov's curry. Uh, you know, I, I could see that something was coming with that. The fact that, you know, every time we would cut to there, you would see more empty bowls and Nate just having more curry. And I was thinking, well, that can't end well. Um, but no, that was uh, absolutely oh, just, you know, again chef's kiss for the other uh, writers just to throw in something as crazy as that and then just have him they you know disappear as his uh, his timeline variant disappeared because they didn't end up doing the crazy thing that led to that um it just it, it's so 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 much fun uh, this this whole episode uh, this whole show uh is just so damn funny i agree the only thing that they didn't fix that um for just for a half a second bugged me but then i was like eh so, Sarah interacts with Spooner, and then she goes and chats with Bowie. If you look at the video that Ava's looking at, uh, Spooner isn't in the background. And that's just the only thing that bugged me. Um, I wish that they would have added Spooner in. You know, if they are changing a little bit the timeline, and there, there should be new memories forming for some of the characters. Uh, that was just the one thing that kind of bugged me. But... It was fine. So let's head on over to the mysterious planet, and we pick up exactly where the previous episode left off, with uh, Sarah discovering her dead body, and uh, Bishop revealing, in a spectacular kind of way, what ended up happening and how he cloned her. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on this, because we were left sort of dumbfounded at the end of the previous episode. And in this episode, we see exactly how it happened. We see that she really did die. She's dead dead. And uh, and he just created a new Sarah that um, has some special abilities. She can regenerate. 
And uh, this left Sarah with the important question of, of who am I? Do I want to be this person? Can I go back to my old human self? Uh, because she does end up learning that she is... Um, she is, I don't know if we want to call her part alien, or at least she has some alien genetics in her DNA now. I think that it sets up for a very interesting, if they're going to kind of explore that, you know, can she be Sarah when she has a little bit of alien genetics? I also thought it was interesting um, how much she rejected the idea that she was half alien now. Especially because she's, I mean, she's been around people that are metahumans and things like that. So to, to, I think it was a kind of visual reaction to be like, oh my gosh, I'm like half alien now. That was an interesting response to come from Sarah. Um, and I do like how they answered the question because I know we were racking up, like, when did he do the swap? And it makes sense that it was literally right when she came on and met him. But then it also got me thinking about kind of how have, so we've basically seen this clone Sarah the whole time. So it's interesting to see kind of how maybe if we go back and see, there might be small differences, but it felt very much like Sarah, which might play more into the idea of, of her trying to find her identity. Now she knows this kind of half alien thing as well. Um, so overall, I think it was, it was interesting. I was sad. I think this whole, this episode and then, you know, on the other podcasts of Batwoman, there's a lot of denial of saying that, you know, people are dead, dead, had to come to a lot of terms there. Cause it is sad in a way we kind of touched on that. The Sarah Lance, I guess, full human is dead, dead after everything she's been through as well. I think that's something that she will have to process as well. Um, and coming to terms that she fought everything. And then she kind of got, bested by a crazy scientist so that's an interesting thing to think about yeah ain't that the truth uh speaking of the crazy scientist um bishop ends up revealing his master plan he plans on uh, cloning sarah and basically invading other planets with the sarah clones in a way to save humanity. I don't really know how that works, because if you're just populating them with clones, I mean, they're just clones. It's not like you're, you know, having, like, you know, I don't know. It just, the, 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 the scheme, the plan, just doesn't really add up for me, at least. Uh, Professor, what do you think of Bishop's plan? Just cloning Sarah, alien hybrid Sarahs, and uh, populating planets, invading planets, and populating them with Sarah lances. Well, I'm with Gary on this. I don't think a uh, the idea about a planet uh, occupied by uh, Sarah and Ava uh, clones is an entirely bad idea. Let's give it a try. Um, you know, uh, until you try it, uh, how do you know it's going to be a bad idea? Um, you know, Bishop has just been you know such a fantastic big bad uh for the legends he is absolutely perfect he's 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 crazy but powerful in his own way um he's utterly deranged and the actor is playing him in exactly the right way that scene where um uh sarah you know shoots him full of novocaine in the neck so he can't control his body oh my god that was just and he's still <laughs> monologue his body is flopping around and he's collapsing to the floor. Um, also, you know, it sets up, you know, Ava having this sort of, you know, live, die, repeat uh, realization that, hey, if he doesn't die, he's trapped in this body. So, you know, you're just novocaining him and trapping him there. 
uh, I thought was uh, a delightful uh, little touch. Again, just showing you, know, uh, you know, Sarah uh, is a, a total kick-ass fighter, but also a strategist. She's thinking, uh, you know, and she's seen him sort of do that regeneration thing when he's been killed. You know, we had a great scene, you know, where he's, you know, guys broken bones. And so the first thing he does is he gets a gun and he shoots himself in the head so he can reboot. So she stops him from doing that until, you know, Mick sort of screws things up. Uh, but no, Bishop was just, uh, again, yes, it, it's a totally batshit crazy idea. What do you expect on this show? Uh, but, you know, given the way Earth has turned out, I'm not uh, entirely convinced, uh, you know, a planet full of uh, Avas and Sarahs wouldn't be the, uh, certainly the, uh, the sexiest thing we could see. Well, there you go. All they would need is uh, Wallace Day in the mix, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's continue on with Bishop, because there was quite the surprise and quite a wrinkle in his plan in this episode. So, um, uh, you know, we'll talk about Sarah and everything that she does uh, momentarily, but let's get Bishop out of the way, because they, basically the show, gets Bishop out of the way. Uh, Bishop ends up, so so Sarah ends up stopping him from uh, cloning himself, and uh, she learns that they're basically going to have to stop all these generators because the clones are almost automatic. Uh, when they do end up, um, end up uh, completely disabling him and, and uh, you know, knocking him out, you know, they, they end up killing him. Uh, they realize that his consciousness is uploaded. His consciousness is in the cloud. So even though he's not able to print himself on the planet with his consciousness in the cloud, uh, he could print himself anywhere. And there is a dilemma because Sarah is trying to print a human version of Sarah that she wants to be sent back to the legends and this, that, or the other, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into all of that in a moment. But uh, because of just the time and their need to escape, uh, they, they end up, uh, you know, pausing the Sarah and uh, they explode everything so that Bishop isn't fully uploaded into the cloud. And we even get Bishop screaming, no! Now, this is episode 7 of what will be more than likely at least a 13, 15, 18 episode season. Going by the numbers of, you know, previous seasons of Legends. It's going to be anywhere in between that. Maybe it's 15. I don't know. We don't know the full episode count for season uh, um, 6. Clearly Bishop is still out there somewhere. Right, Millie? Right? 100%. Okay. Professor? so sure um i i think it would be a shame to write off such a great supervillain i certainly would like to see him come back uh maybe again this is a time travel show this is a time ship it's entirely possible they might meet bishop earlier and that might be him meeting sarah lance might be what convinces him that oh she is the uh the woman that i need uh again sort of you know that sort of you know timey wiminess that we were talking about earlier uh with the sarah plot so um i 
I, I would like it to that his his plan was destroyed. Now it could be that you know he's he's you know there's a hard drive backup or something like that. Uh, you know the idea of uploading yourself to the cloud. How can you access the cloud from another planet? Um, you know their internet speeds must be phenomenal. Uh, but uh, yeah, if they do uh, him, I would like him to be something different. I, I don't want him to be just the same bishop. You know because he was great. But if we did have the the, the same bishop somehow escape that, that would sort of negate uh, Sarah's sacrifice and Sarah doing what she did to stop him. So I hope that uh, we meet him in some different form. What I really thought they were setting up, um, and, and I was against it at the time, but thinking about it again, I think it could have been brilliant, is that I thought Bishop's consciousness was going to end up in Sarah's body. It's the new fully human body. That's- <laughs> and at the time I was thinking, no, don't do that, don't do that, do, do that. But thinking about it now, I'm thinking, then we could have had Katie Lotz playing Bishop, playing Sarah Lance which could have been hilarious, but I'm glad they didn't do that. And they actually showed the body falling to pieces, uh, you know, to sort of indicate that ain't going to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there is, you know, a, a backup of a Bishop or a Bishop earlier in the timeline um, that we will meet uh, again, but I'm hoping it's in a different context. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they did very well. Like this absolutely felt like a mid season finale. They wrapped up, so many of the plot lines beautifully and i you know uh, well i i certainly you know i i loved every time we got damien dark back you know um yeah i think i think bishop could be a damien dark level uh antagonist uh and possibly in the same way that you know uh, a sort of curious level of antagonist someone who isn't necessarily out to kill the legends per se but has his own goals that they're trying to trying to thwart and you know maybe could be turned around or something like that in the future but yeah i definitely hope we get more of him uh in some capacity in the future okay I agree with both of you. I don't feel like this is the last we've seen of Bishop. I do like your idea, Professor, getting Bishop from a different point in the timeline so that, you know, maybe he isn't as maniacal and and maybe they might actually need Bishop. So they have to go and find him. And it would be interesting if we get sort of like a time paradox type of thing where, you know, meeting the legends is what inspires Bishop to find Sarah Lance and this, that, the other and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, because it's a time travel show, and clearly, you know, that's what's going to happen. Because, of course, uh, Kayla is out there getting ready to give birth to Spooner, I guess. We'll talk about that right now, actually. So let's talk about Mick and Kayla. Uh, we pick up, once again, exactly where we left them in the previous episode, post-coitus, um, tentacles and all. Uh, Mick didn't like the ear thing. And, uh, Kayla basically tells Mick, you have until the the third moon sets you know, and then I'm leaving. And so he goes off and uh, is searching for Sarah. He runs into Gary and the Ava clones that he has uh, convinced to, uh, you know, be on the side of good, a.k.a. anti-bishop. And they do end up finding Sarah. And uh, Mick has a really important conversation with her. This is probably one of the most important conversations Mick has ever had in his life, where he basically tells her that that she is who she is, and she has to live in the moment, and you know she can't worry about the past, and and Avo clearly will accept her for who she is. You know, she, he basically tries to calm all of her fears that she has built up throughout the entire episode. Professor, what do you think of Mick? And his conversation with Sarah, probably I would say the most grown-up 
conversation Mick has ever had, you know, in his, you know, monosyllabic, um, you know, the way that he speaks, like it was, it was still the most grown ass conversation he's had. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, you, we've talked about it, you know, last season that it seemed like they were running out of things to, uh, to do. Um, uh, I just realized the, uh, you know, my, uh, and, and it turns out that, you know, uh, you know, Bishop found out about Sarah, thanks to, you know, Rebecca Silver. Uh, now, what is that the, uh, the McRory version of Rebecca Silver or is that the Mona version of Rebecca Silver? We don't know. Um, but uh, I do love the fact that, you know, he's gotten that development. We've talked, you know, last for most of last season you know they you know they they sort of run out of things to do with mick you know mick was just a sort of a one note grumpy guy you know drinking beer and and stuff and and yes he did have the uh, the writing and you know they introduced his his long lost daughter and that gave him some stuff to do but i think certainly you know for the first half of the season until the last two or three episodes mick was almost you know forgotten you know, that he wasn't contributing much uh, story-wise to the show. Uh, so to get his development here of him being the one who refuses to give up on Sarah, who goes off and actually does manage to rescue her, although it was very, you know, important to note that, you know, Sarah did manage to rescue herself. Uh, and in fact, it might have worked better if uh, if Mick hadn't gotten involved. But, uh, you know, the fact that he did that and, and got that uh, speech, you know, it was something that Sarah needed to hear. They sort of, in a way, echoed what she'd said to Spooner in the bar before all of this, you know, by her timeline, before all of this happened you know uh you know working with these people perhaps these people can help you get better and you know that made her realize that you know that is the role that she plays uh and uh, and for mick to say that you know in his own way uh yeah just incredibly moving like who would have thought that uh that mick would have gotten you know one of the uh, the tearjerker lines in the episode uh in his his normal gruff way but really he's the one character that could say it you know they could could deliver it to sarah you know when he called her his oldest friend and you realize, oh, my God, that is true. Um, and, you know, uh, they are both, you know, the, two of the, the only OGs uh, on the Wave Rider, except probably for Gideon. And, you know, that, uh, you know, sort of calling back to that. And, yeah, he, he did manage to to make that point to her. And it was something that she needed to hear. And he was the one who needed to say it to her. I agree with you on that. Like, he really was the only one that could say it to her. So uh, he was the, the perfect choice. Uh, continuing on with the story... So, uh, after Mick, you know, says everything that he has to say to Sarah, she decides to blow everything up. So, um, you know, she, she kabooms the, uh, clone that she was about to make. This is when Bishop screams no, and the entire compound goes kaboom. The Ava clones decide to stay behind, which is incredibly unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen them interact with Ava. Hopefully that it, it does end up happening in a future episode. Uh, yeah, they're like, oh, we're medics and chefs and, you know, engineers and all this kind of stuff. We'll be fine. And so, of course, they'll be fine. Uh, and when Gary, Sarah, and Mick gets to the ship, Kayla is gone with the ship. The Because the uh, generators controlled the uh, perimeter barrier, you know, it comes down and those aliens attack. Kayla returns, fights them off, but then she disappears, and uh, the aliens are, you know, coming at the ship. Uh, they need to leave, and so uh, Mick makes a decision to to leave, even though he's he's wanting to uh, stay, you know, to look for Kayla. But they they have to leave. So Kayla has disappeared. What does that mean? What does that mean, Professor? 
Well, I mean, there, one way to look at this, uh, you know, this this really felt like a midseason finale. As I said, it, it wrapped up so many uh, plot lines. And, and you know, I'm sure some people would say, well, they should have, you know, dealt with Kayla. They should have been rescued or something. But I think, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the potential of, of her and the actress who plays her coming back later, uh, if they if they'd rescued her, it just would have been sort of one note. OK, you're on the wave rider. Uh, you got Gary and you got uh uh, Mick and what happens next. Whereas the fact that they didn't rescue her means she's out there and she's pissed off that she got left behind, which gives us a great excuse to bring her back uh, in a much more interesting way later on. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. Uh, I'm certainly hoping uh, we will see more of Kayla. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, uh, as they're rushing for the ship, uh, you know, Mick kept saying, she won't leave me. She won't leave me. She won't leave me. That sort of confident. Oh yeah. I gave her the good love. And so she's not going to leave me. And then, Oh, she left us. Damn it. Um, it was great. And then to have her, you know, obviously make comeback. We, no one for a second thought that Kayla had actually abandoned them. Uh, you know, she, she does make the comeback. Uh, you know, uh, goes into her uh, her other form to, to save them. And yeah, we never actually saw what happened to her. Uh, I'm absolutely certain she's not dead. And and again, we will see her again. Uh, you know, the, the the chemistry she had with Mick uh, from the moment they first met. Uh, you know, she will move heaven and earth to get back to him, uh, if only to kick him in the balls for leaving her behind. 100%. Millie, let's talk about Bayrod. Bayrod really was the catalyst for this episode. He was the one that came up with the idea to go back to the finale again, back to the finale two, Electric Boogaloo. He, he ends up getting a plan at some point in the episode to get a mannequin and stuff it with uh, fireworks so that A, the aliens would have uh, abducted something, and B, the fireworks would have, uh, I guess, damaged the ship at the right time so that the aliens would have scattered and then they would have still met Spooner and this, that, or the other. As Nate Pliskin said, you know, come on, man. They knew it was, they, the aliens knew that it was a mannequin. They came back and they abducted her anyway and yada, yada, yada. So the plan was clearly a stoner plan. Uh, but uh, he does try one last time to save Sarah, and that's when, you know, he screams at her, Sarah, you know, come back, come over here, so that she doesn't get abducted, um, and then he realizes that the reason Sarah was abducted was his distraction, and he has an interesting moment with Astra. Now, I read this moment in an interesting way, because I noticed a little bit of chemistry there. And it could be what the professor says, you know, two attractive, age-appropriate people get paired up in a scene together for the first time, and, uh, you know, you start thinking in CW kind of way. I don't know if it was that, but it was kind of interesting. Because I was like, what are they going to do with Bayrod? Like, in the there was like a moment where I was like, are they going to do something with him and Spooner? But after this moment with Astra, it was a tender moment. It was really just Astra being there with him. But there was a moment where the eyes from both of them did a little something-something. And I don't know if you picked up the little something-something. But what did you think of uh, Bayrod, and in particular, Bayrod's uh, conversation with Astra? I appreciate Bayrod's 
creativity for ideas and formulating plans. He gets an A plus on them. Like the practicality of the plans, you know, are questionable there, but I do like, you know, let's get a mannequin and blow it up instead. I thought that was very creative. What I thought was interesting with his overall storyline, I think, was his level of determination and drive. And I don't know if it's because it maybe he thought he and it's just me now realizing he felt responsible and that's why or um he had you know just wants to get sarah back but i thought his determination felt a little weird because i feel like in terms of his relationship with sarah it's he's like lower on the totem pole i feel um so i thought that was a little strange that he's willing to um go through all these hoops uh in that sense maybe it's just his stoner high in terms of the the moment with astra um I got a little of it, but I feel like it was more just there because it was them trying to connect because we haven't really got to see them interact. So it was more them creating and uh, establishing a relationship because I feel like I, and I personally think I would be more of a fan of seeing Bayer out with Spooner. Um, and maybe they just want to give him options too. That could always be the possibility. CW does love a love triangle. Yes. Professor, did you notice anything with Bayrod and Astra? I mean, it's possible, but I think the fact that, you know, uh, Bayrob was involved with Charlie. Uh, so for him to get involved with someone else on the team just makes him seem, you know, a bit slutty. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of hoping they don't go that route. Um, I realize that, you know, the, the story temptations and yes, two very good looking people. Um, I think if it was with Astra, the first thing Astra would have him do is, is stop smoking so much weed because, um, I've mentioned before that, you know, they used to deal with him smoking in a very sort of coded way. Uh, it's becoming more overt. It was truly, you know, it was beyond overt. Uh, it, it was in your face. Um, uh, in this one and the fact that he was coming up with these, you know, it's, you know, these, you know, the, totally stoner ideas. No, we'll get a mannequin and we'll put this, uh, this, uh, this wig on it. Yeah. And then we'll stuff a pull of fireworks. Uh, and then the aliens will grab it instead of Sarah. And, you know, it, it sort of, you know, if, if you're looking for the show to finally do a PSA against drug use, you know, the plots that he came up with in this episode, uh, are kind of that yet. No one can question his heart. His heart is in the right place. This is his way of grieving, uh, his way of dealing with the loss of Sarah and saying the same thing. Any of us would say in this situation, we have a time machine we can undo this uh and and trying to make that happen you know um and and even at the end just you know being unwilling to give it up and and whispering to sarah which again calling back to the you know the even the last season they clearly knew what they were going to do because you know why did sarah look behind her as if she'd heard something and why did she fall behind the group before she was kidnapped um you know the you know the, clearly the pieces were you know at least something was being you know maybe they didn't know exactly how they were going to play it out uh, but I like that. Uh, so, again, it, it showed that uh, Bayrod's heart was in the right place, but uh, he's clearly baking too much. Yeah, I, I have been wondering what they're doing with his weed smoking. Some of it is like, because I referenced earlier in the season, like, are they going to make him the new Mick? Where Mick was, like, always drunk during adventures and that sort of thing, and maybe screwing up once in a while, or sometimes screwing up for the best because he's drunk and that sort of thing. So because Mick will be leaving at the end of the season, is Bayrod filling that void? Not being gruff and assholey like Mick, but just, you know, being sort of like, you know, the inebriated one that kind of stumbles to a, a win or, you know, hinders the group, and then they got to clean up his mess and that sort of thing. I, I wonder that... Part of me also wonders if it's just that because weed in general has become um, 
legalized in many areas here in the U.S., if it's if there's no longer that stigma towards marijuana usage, I wonder if some of what they're doing is really just normalizing weed uh, in the show. You know, no longer making it as taboo as before. You know, where it's like, you know, we didn't really see him toke. We sort of just got, um, you know, uh, we basically knew what was going on without them being so overt about it. Now they're being more overt about it, and I wonder if it's just because just the uh, general opinions about weed in general has, like, it, it's really become much more acceptable in society. So I wonder if that's what they're doing. Um, I, I do think they're using this a lot with the character. Um, it, I mean, it would be nice if they balanced it a little bit more like they did in the past. I mean, they don't have to go and and, and um, no longer... You know, they don't have to revert to what they did last season where, you know, there's just like a puff of smoke as he's leaving a room. You know, they can have him be as open about it, but without doing it all the time. Um, although, let's be real, there are plenty of people out there that are big-time weed heads that smoke all the time and that act the same way as Bayrod. So it could just be, you know, them feeding into that stereotype. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and see what the hell they're doing with Bayrod. But uh, he is really in your face with his weed smoking and his love for Kush, which, you know, more power to him. Okay, the big moment at the end of the episode. So Sarah does return. We get the reunion that we've been waiting for, a gentle stroke of, uh, of Ava's cheek. And, uh, you know, they, they kiss, they embrace. And uh, they're like, oh, it is a little quiet here. I wonder where, they, where the legends are. And Sarah's like, oh, I know where they are. And they go back to uh, the club and we get the moment that we've been waiting for all season. Sarah and Ava get engaged in the most adorable way possible. With fireworks and everything. Um, I will also say just a little thing, just since, we're, since I'm going to be asking everyone's questions about this, and uh, just to put a pin on Sarah. At one point, Sarah does realize that they're uh, fucking with the timeline. You know, she's getting new memories of stuff, which uh, is kind of fantastic. I love that little wink and nod to uh, their time travel adventure. Let's talk about this. Sarah proposes to Ava. Ava says yes. She says it many times, but she says it at the right time, too. Uh, Professor, your girls are engaged. Woohoo! Um, yeah, I, I look forward to when they're married, so they can, you know, finally have sex. Because I'm sure they haven't up until now, because that would be a sin. Exactly. Uh, what a goddamn delight! I mean, yes, and that's why I say this. This really felt like, you know, this could have been a, a season finale. You know, just the way it wrapped these things up. But that's why I think it, it really does feel like a midseason. I'll be really curious to see how they follow it up next week. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, whether it'll be the dreaded filler episode or what. Uh, but yeah, come on, it was delightful. We love uh, Ava Lance. Uh, we've loved Ava ever since she joined the team. We've we've seen the first sparks. I think you know if you go back and listen to those uh, those podcasts, I was the one who first said, "Hey, there's a spark here. Something's happening." Um, uh, so to see them finally, especially this season, with you know Ava knowing that's what Sarah was going to do, and and to finally get. The payoff and her giddiness of the yes because i was a little afraid that we might get that legends turn somehow that no something's going to screw this up something's going to screw this up but then no yes they get the yes and then the fireworks go off in the dumpster and uh, what what better way to have a uh, you know an engagement on legends than a literal dumpster fire it was it was gorgeous and was glorious 
I uh, agree with all of that. So, Millie, your take on Ava Lance uh, and their engagement. I agree with the professor. It definitely read like a season finale or at least a mid-season finale. And it was very them and the dorky Ava doesn't know what to do. She's so excited, cute way. And I love how um, I think even the previous, uh, the reunion, the previous scene with them reuniting helped add to the emotions. Um, and that there kind of just the way that Ava played that or Jessica Collins played that. And just you could see she didn't want to accept, you know, fate or anything like that. And then for it to end with them engaged, it was just Great, and a nice little bow on this storyline for them in this, you know, fake mid-season finale, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, a really great moment for them. A great moment for the team. Seeing the team reunited and seeing them all together. I said this over on the Batwoman podcast. You know, it seems like we can kind of tell with these shows, like, you know, as they get deeper into their season, that they're relaxing maybe a little bit some of the COVID protocols, you know, based off maybe infection numbers and vaccinations and the fact that they are quarantined and in a bubble and that sort of thing. But seeing the team like together, like together, together, and it doesn't feel like they're all socially distanced. That was a really great moment uh, at the end of uh, the episode and also throughout the episode when the team, you know, they were plotting and scheming in that restaurant, uh, you know, figuring out what they were going to do to try to save Sarah. It was great to see them together. And by the end of the episode, they're all together. That was a really nice moment. Um, Just a little tease for the next episode, because we are mentioning that this episode felt like a season, not, well, a mid-season finale or even a season finale. But the next episode is the David Ramsey-directed Western, uh, the uh, traditional Western, the annual Western that we usually get on Legends. So uh, we're in for some gunslinging shenanigans in the next episode. Was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment? Teeny tiny? Anything? A look or anything that either of you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP? I guess we covered it all. So it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Millie Wood, your MVP. Oh, that's there's that's, this was such a strong, I think, episode for a lot of the characters, so it's really hard to choose. But I do think um, I'll give an MVP to Ava. It was just such a wide range that you got the clone Avas and Ava wallowing, and then sad Ava proposed Ava. So it was just a whole gambit, and Justin Callan did great. Also, the comedic big with finale Ava coming back. It was just a whole joy seeing everything go through it, and really to have her have her happy ending at the end of this long, sad, stressful run of episodes. So I have to give it to Ava. Fantastic choice, Professor. Your MVP. Yeah, just to second what uh, Millie said. There, there were no weak points in this episode. I, I think anyone. Uh, you know, and that's not always the case. Quite often when you've got an episode that is really focusing more heavily on one or two characters, the other ones can sort of fade into the background. Everyone had something to do. Everyone nailed it. It was hilarious. Everyone was fantastic. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Bishop. Uh, again, I just love his take on being, he is the perfect big bad for the legends. He is just, he is so much fun, uh, you know, uh, in, in all of his scenes. Even, he even managed to be, you know, funny when he was, you know, a disembodied voice in a computer. Um, uh, just it, tremendous. That, that scene alone where he, you know, got in the Novocaine in his neck uh, was was fabulous. Just an amazing piece of physical acting in addition to all of his folk stuff. And even, you know, when he's dressing and, and dancing, it just, this is exactly what you want for a big bad for, uh, for legends. Yeah, his final line as a human. Fun! Just 
spectacular. I co-signed with both of you. Everyone was amazing in this episode. Um, there's so many left that I that that I'm like names are popping in my head, but the one that I'm going to pick is Spooner. I just really loved her scene with Sarah, and the fact that it was the first time they were interacting, the fact that Spooner was really questioning her place with the legends, and Sarah, you know, of all people, a person she's never even met before, ends up reassuring her. And, and, it's, and she's reassuring her because what she's saying is, is the praise and the love that she has for the legends, even though she doesn't even know that she's showing praise and love for the legends. Uh, I, I liked Spooner's interaction with uh, Sarah, and I liked um, her little moments uh, with the team where she really was questioning whether she belonged or not. So um, I'll, I'll give it to Spooner. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Wave Riders? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted Golden Wave Rider Professor. Golden Wave Rider, do you have to ask? I don't know if there's such a thing as a perfect hour of television, but this was a perfect hour of Legends. Everyone got to do something. Everything played in beautifully. The timey-wiminess of it actually worked out. Uh, great character development, uh, a beautiful resolution, and anyone who doesn't give us a Golden Wave Rider is, uh, is either heartless or soulless. <clears throat> Millie, I believe next. <laughs> Millie is next. And I will say, Millie has been the most persnickety when it comes to going the golden route. Uh, you know, she, she has her standards. I respect it. And, and Millie, for me at least, there's no peer pressure. Live your truth. You did say it was, it was a strong episode, so I am curious as to how you're going to rate it, and we're going to find out right now, because Millie, how do you rate this episode? No pressure, I promise. Oh, I, I can feel the judgment through all the, just virtually, I feel the, the pressure. Um, I think <laughs> over, overall, I'll have to give it, especially give it a very persignity, I'll give it a 9.9 Wave Riders. I thought it was very solid episode, very enjoyable. Um, I felt like it was, as we joke, kind of mid-season, but also felt like it was moving pla- a little bit of moving parts and places to set up maybe the back half of the season as well. But it was really great. We kind of got to see uh, a lot of things pay off, and everyone got a little moment to shine. So overall, 9.8. No, you said 9.9. Do, are, are you lowering yeah. it to 9.8? <laughs> no, I meant 9.9. I... I um I was I was between two, but we'll go with nine point nine. That's my final answer. Okay, can I just say I feel like Millie is the jigsaw of our podcasting network because she enjoys torturing us. You know, I feel like there's a part of me that's like, at some point she realizes she she will give a golden or archive. You know, depending on what podcast it is. Um, but she, I think you're enjoying. It the torture that you're providing both myself and the professor? Just a little bit, but I'm also just <laughs> waiting for my socks to be knocked off, too. Oh, okay. She has, like, knee highs, so that's why it's taken a while for them to get knocked off. <laughs> All right, Millie. I love it. Live your truth. I, I do respect you for it. The professor is clearly judging. But he's Canadian, so he's judging in a nice way. Okay. I am... 
giving it the Golden Wave Rider because it was spectacular. Like, it was just, it's a spectacular, rewatchable hour of television. We've sort of gone on and on, so I will just cap this by saying uh, that everyone did a fantastic job. The entire cast was brilliant in this episode. Uh, just spectacular. Everyone got their moment to shine, whether it was just a teeny tiny little, you know, facial response by Nate or, you know, a, a larger moment that some of the characters had. Everyone was just splendid. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Perpetulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuoradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting with the persnickety, Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to listen to my persnickness, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And he is living his life like it's golden, uh, the professor. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night. Good night.